Hi, welcome to the Win the Day podcast. My name is Nicola Presti, and today we are joined by Alexine Moudoir. Uh, Alexine is the woman in sales CEO, a four-time advisor, LinkedIn top sales voice, and Salesforce top sales influencer. And I'm extremely excited to have you on the podcast, Alexine. I already know this episode is going to be full of valuable information that you provide um, for us. But without further ado, um, I'd like to introduce you. And um, how are you doing today? Doing really well. Thanks so much for having me on. And it's very exciting to see you launching this podcast and see you out here doing all this. You are strides ahead of where I was when I was coming out of Purdue. So um super excited that our paths crossed when I was yeah. back at the entrepreneurial course and excited to chat today. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate those those kind words. But um, first question I got for you today is um, tell me a little bit more about your upbringing in sales. So like where you started and where you are now. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so originally when I graduated from Purdue, um, I had a degree in retail management and then, um, did the certification program with entrepreneurship. And I had every intention of actually going into retail buying, um, because I thought that I was going to like live abroad and have this like really luxurious lifestyle, um, mm. learned very quickly that I was probably going to end up working in a stock room a lot. And it wasn't necessarily going to look like that. And so in order for me to qualify for this buying program, I actually had to work as a sales associate, a uh, retail sales associate to kind of like get my initial qualification. Um, and when I was going through that and when it came time to actually get my manager to approve me going into the, the buying program, she's like, I'd be happy to write this. I want to talk to you a little bit about like what, what life will look like if you go down this path. But then she's like, I also want to tell you about something else, which is, I think that there's a future for you in sales as a career. And I think this is an opportunity you should explore. Um, and so she was really the first person that like brought that to me and made me realize that was even a career path. Um, so at the time, I don't know really how I found my first role. I think I threw my resume up on Monster, if anybody uses Monster anymore. And I um, ended up getting connected with this tech startup. And at the time, again, I had no experience. Um, they were pretty much done filling a sales class of account executives at the time. Mm -hmm. um, it was basically like a sink or swim. They're like, you know, we're going to bring a bunch of people in and a bunch of them are not going to make it. Um, and we have a spot if you want to take it, jump into this class. So I think my initial onboarding class was like 15 to 17 people. Um, and and that was my start. And so I just, you know, it was like a pretty... Uh, I don't know. I think of it like I laugh sometimes thinking back because it was just like one of those boiler room roles where we were like making like 150 to 175 cold calls a day. And um, I don't know, I was living off like three to four hours of sleep a night and just like closing deals and like mm -hmm. learning as I go. And we had like some learning resources, but not a ton. It was just you just jumped right in. And um, and so that was really my start was just like going into tech sales, zero prior experience, jumped right in. And within my first year, I actually ended up being the top sales rep for that company. And that kind of let me know like, wow. hey, this, this probably is the right career path for me. That's awesome. So how did you kind of adapt to like a startup role where the environment at the startup is more kind of like, okay, we're going to throw you into this fishbowl and you got to like kind of fight for yourself. How How did you kind of adapt to that? 
Um, it was tough. Like it, it was tough for a couple of reasons. I mean, one of the, the big ones was I was one of the only women on the team. So I already kind of felt like, Hey, I don't know what I'm doing already. And in addition to that, I don't necessarily feel like I fit in totally with the team. Mm-hmm. Um, so my only way of adapting was just to like jump in and start doing stuff. And I, I had such a drive inside of me. I was like, I have to do well at this. Like I want to do well at this. I want to make money. I want to be successful. And so I just like buckled in and I let, like, I just let the experience be weird. Like I got on, like, I was just doing all these cold calls and just getting rejected left and right. And I, it's tough. Like you'll get like 15 in a row no's, and it's hard to like shake that off and just keep moving every single day. But I was just doing it. And I just had this fire inside of me where I was like, I know that I can do this. If I like work really hard, I know that this will come to me. And I also realized really early on, you know, I'm very mathematically minded. So I was like, I know that somewhere in here, there's an equation for success. And I just Mm -hmm. need to figure out what that equation was. And so for that, I was like, okay, I know that I can start to build this by saying like, by looking at the inputs. So if I do like X number of cold calls, I know that that's going to lead to Y number of meetings. And if I run that many meetings, I know that my close ratio looks like this. Then I can predict how many closed one deals I have. And I can replicate that over and over again. So that was what really like helped me initially was just kind of like creating that equation and working off of it. And what I didn't account for, which ended up being really cool, is I didn't account for like as I got better at selling that that equation would shift then and my close ratio would go up. So what used to take me, you know, double the activity to close one deal started to be like half the activity to a third to a fourth of the activity mm-hmm. would start to net out the results that I was looking for. So I did a lot of like that kind of work and like really digging into the KPIs and getting real nerdy with everything, but it helped me a ton initially. Yeah, totally. Once you started like seeing results and closing a lot more deals and kind of going from that, the like two times amount of work that gets put into one deal to like the one time, did you like buy any technology to help you out? Were you using any tools? Like how, how did you kind of streamline that process and make it easier for you? Yeah. So, so part of like any sales role is sort of, you know, some companies know this and some don't, and especially if you're going to startups, they might not, but part of it's like understanding your ICP your ideal customer profile. And Mm -hmm. so for me, initially I, we didn't necessarily have like a really strong ICP identified and I've only worked with tech startups. So that's been the case across most of them. And so part of the work initially is like figuring out like who's actually going to even buy from me. And you don't know that until you try to sell to a variety of, of people. And then you kind of watch the, the, the buying signals. And so the thing that I did initially was we had this like public database at the time that had like 150,000 plus accounts in it. Mm-hmm. And I would just scrub that. Like I would just go through it on like a weekly basis and I would search like random keywords or pick like a letter of the alphabet. And I just like go straight down the line. So I was also like working a lot of what was in our existing database, but I was also adding a lot of like new accounts into that people weren't going after or weren't interested in. Mm -hmm. And then I started to close a lot of those. And I was like, all right, now I know a buying signal that's actually going to help me like replicate the success. And that really like opened the door for me. And even though, you know, I still was prospecting a ton Um, so the work didn't really like change necessarily. I was just working in different ways. So I was like, okay, Mm -hmm. maybe I'll invest a little bit more time up front into researching and picking like the right type of companies. I'll still do my cold calls, but maybe now I can do like 
100 cold calls, take it easy and do 100 cold calls instead of 150. And then I can use the rest of that time to like actually like go after these deals and close and demo and do the rest of what I need to do to be successful. Mm -hmm. Um, So so I would say like initially, like tech stack wise, the only thing I really had was like Salesforce and then this public database um, that was just like a, a website. And then we really didn't have like dialers or any of that technology. There was definitely no gong at the time. And even like looking, I think we, there was like a really like early V1 version of like a zoom info to find contacts. Um, Mm -hmm. but that was like very unpredictable at the time. And so that was really it. So a lot of the cold calls, we were just calling, you know, the main line of these companies and trying to get transferred around or working through their phone tree to get to the right people. Wow. That's, that's insane. (laughs) But it's hard work right there. Um, but I see that you started the Women in Sales Club. Um, and this is actually really inspiring for me because it's a goal of mine to kind of start a sales group um, like that in the future. And it's super cool that you're empowering women in the field of sales. And I respect that a lot. So tell me how and why you started that venture. Yeah, so... Again, you know, thinking back to my personal journey in sales, I had this 10 years at tech sales startups. And most of the time in that 10 years, the one thing that didn't really change was I was always one of one or one of two, maybe a couple of women on the sales team at every single company. Mm-hmm. And when I looked across other companies, um, whether it was startups or, you know, mid, you know, mid-cycle companies, whoever it was, I noticed that was like a trend across the board. And so it let me know like, hey, there's an opportunity here. On the other side, you know, I didn't automatically villainize like the sales leaders. I, as I was meeting more of these like CROs and sales leaders and CEOs, what I learned is like a lot of them actually did want to have potentially more diverse teams, but like maybe didn't know how to go about it or trying to figure out like the best way or like want to commit to that work, but don't know where to start. And so my kind of pilot for myself was I launched employee resource groups within companies. So for two of the companies I worked for, I launched their very first employee resource group, which was a women's group in both cases. Um, But I built out basically like the model of like, this is what employee resource group would look like. This is like the time commitment I'm putting forth. This is my goals and plan for the year. So it was almost like a micro venture within a company. And then once I had that roadmap, I could use that and replicate it for actually like taking this and building a business. So it wasn't the goal initially to like, make this company that I have, but I saw such a big opportunity and it just started to like naturally make sense that like there would be a space. Um, we're of course not the only organization that is focused on helping women in the, in the field of sales either. So there are other organizations and they each have their own nuances and differences. Um, but for me, it was really something I, I wanted to like double down on and see like what, if, if I were to focus a hundred percent of my time on this and work on building a community and providing resources and learning from other folks in the field, like what could that become? And mm-hmm. so that's been a really cool, like adventure and challenge um, for me this past couple of years. That's amazing. I'm really excited to see where that goes for you. So you have about 25,000 followers on LinkedIn right now. Is that, is that correct around there? Yes, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about how, how you grew that um, to that size and like what it takes to grow LinkedIn and what it can do for um, a salesperson. Yeah. LinkedIn is such an incredible resource for growing your career and developing your personal brand and your voice. 
Um, you know, the way that I describe it, like you'll hear some of those, like you'll hear like a small percentage of come up stories that were just like, boom, I just started posting like 20 times a day. And all of a sudden I have like a million followers. That wasn't my, my journey. And that wasn't Mm -hmm. like the road that I took. What I took initially was I I didn't know what to start posting. And so what I, so probably like the first two years, all I did on LinkedIn was just like comment connect with other people and actually like did a lot of posts about like conferences and events I was attending. And Mm. a lot of people would make fun of me because they were like, these are like super cheesy. Like it just be me at a conference. I'm like, here's my five takeaways. And I don't know. I was just like trying, I didn't feel like I had content to put out there. So I just wanted to kind of like work with what I had in front of me. And then what I realized was after that first couple of years, I was like, actually I'm doing a lot of like teaching and coursework outside of the office. So like, why couldn't I take some of this and put it back into LinkedIn and start to build my own voice? And so I slowly but surely started to weave in like my own content of like, Mm -hmm. here's a prospecting tip I have. Like, here's a strategy that I use. Here's the talk track that I'm using. And what I realized is that was actually like really resonating with people. And that's when I started to see like that uptick in, in, you know, follower counts and, um, and just more traction. And I started to meet more people, which is the coolest part. Yeah. And why that's important is because those people that I started meeting over that course of several years, those became employers. They became my hiring managers. They became uh, business deals for me. They became my customers. Like there was just so much that came of all those relationships and connections and it's still mm-hmm. happening to this day. Um, so I just, I can't talk enough about like how valuable it is to create that. But I also want to recognize that it is like uncomfortable in the beginning and not everybody's going to have a story where they just like, shoot to a million people overnight. And that wasn't my story and I'm still not there. Mm -hmm. Um, But for me, it's, I would rather just put out content that I feel good about, that I feel like may resonate. And sometimes I miss like a hundred percent. Sometimes I miss, but I'm, but I'm still trying and it still feels like me and it's still my voice that's getting put out there. And that's, that's something that matters to me. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, I I saw on, on LinkedIn that you were involved a little bit with surf and sales. This caught yeah. my eye because I actually have listened to the podcast um, and I usually just like listen to it on my walk to class or something like that. But can you tell me a little bit about your experience with surf and sales and how it's kind of changed your life if it has in any way? Yeah, it has. Shout out to Scott, Richard and Jeff, who have been with me two years in a row in Costa Rica and women in sales was actually a partner last year for the event as well. Oh. That's and wonderful. I just actually bought my ticket for this year, um, but a week awesome. ago. So one of my good girlfriends and I both got our tickets and we will be headed to Costa Rica later this year. But um, I think it's a really cool event. Like I think what, at least for me, the most impactful piece is you're in this like beautiful, serene location. Something about like where you're located just makes you not really like want to be on your phone or like doing like. I don't know. You just like really want to be present and you're here with this group of peers. And some of them are like account executives. Some are like managers and senior leaders and some are CEOs, but it's this really cool experience where everybody's like very intentional about being there and they're really committed to this experience. And they, you get to just talk in a way that you wouldn't get to talk anywhere else because you're just like really in this secluded place and you have a lot of like safety in that. And I just find it to be an incredible like an incredible opportunity. So I've had the chance to meet um, some really awesome CEOs in my space. They've given me business advice. 
Um, honestly, probably started my business sooner um, because of the fact that I grew some confidence from going to these. There are some really cool activities. Like last year, we did a pitch contest from like the pool, which was fun. So um, <laughs> I think I got, I was in the top three, but I didn't, I did not, uh, did not make the number one slot, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm coming back this year. So, um, so yeah, so I think there's just like these cool opportunities to engage and connect with people in a way that you really couldn't do at like a normal conference or somewhere you know, if you were just at like a conference hall in Vegas or something. Yeah. So what, what advice would you give to someone like me who's about to graduate college um, in their twenties and wants to get into a sales role and wants to look for mentorship and events like this, what is some advice that you would give to them so they don't go to some place that's kind of like guru-y or like doesn't give you the full value? Yeah, I think my biggest piece of advice, I mean, you're like a prime example, like you were running a podcast, like I was not even close to doing that when I was I'm just launching my first podcast in the next couple of months. So you're miles ahead of a lot of folks. But for folks that maybe aren't even at your your level yet, um, what I would recommend is like getting involved with communities early. That's a huge part of sales right now. There are a ton of communities you have, you know, my company, women in sales, you have mm -hmm all these different organizations, um, you know, Rev Genius, Bravado, like there's so many companies out there that specialize in providing a community space for sellers to get together. And I would personally love to see more folks who are like junior, senior in college that are just like there and, you know, talk to people, get to know people, connect with them, but even just like observe, like see what themes are coming up, watch what people are talking about, see what challenges there are. Um, it will help you skip several steps later on. Like you can learn some of this stuff so early that it took many of us like years to learn. Um, so definitely getting involved with communities um, and then like connecting with people on LinkedIn. And, and I did this a lot like early on where I didn't really know anyone. So I sent and did a blitz of like all the um, prominent sales speakers and sales authors in our space. And I did personalized notes to every single one of them on LinkedIn. And I was just like, Hey, I just want to follow along with like more of your journey. I really enjoyed this. Just ordered your book. Can't wait to stay connected. And that's like how I yeah. formed a lot of my early connections. And you can do the same thing with like, look for people who are loud on social, who are posting a lot, who are super engaged with the sales community, start to connect with them, get to know them, just comment on their posts, like their stuff, because the more that they see your name pop up, then the more that they're going to recognize you. And then eventually when you're like, Hey, it's go time. I'm graduating in a couple of weeks. I'm starting to look for SDR, BDR roles. They're going to be like, boom, I have like three or four intros I can make for you. Like happy to help you. And so there are a ton of resources more than ever out there. It, you know, and what you may find too, honestly, is that like some communities, some resources don't resonate with you. And that's all good too. Like that's totally fine to recognize and be like, oh, this one didn't really feel like me. But, um, but the only way you find that out is if you show up and you kind of get a feel for, for everything that's going on. And then you'll figure out like which ones make the most sense for you and, and what makes, what makes you tick and, and get with the peers that fall in those spaces. Yeah, totally. That's, that's great advice. Um, and you've had, Experience being a strategic advisor, um, account executive, and mentor in the SaaS space, and it's my goal to get to that point as well um, in the future. And obviously, being in the tech space is not so easy because there's so much to learn and everything's always changing. So, what is your advice for young salespeople that are trying to break into the tech space and kind of like understand how to learn tech and kind of kill it in that space? 
Yeah. I think my biggest piece of advice is to like, there are a couple tools, for instance, that you know that you're going to have in most of your roles, like Salesforce I've had since day one in sales. And so there are a lot of like free courses and content that's out there where you can actually like get to know. I'm pretty sure some of these technology platforms also have relationships with universities where I think they get like licenses potentially, or you get like a lower cost value for certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, so companies like Gong, outreach, um, a sales force, like a sales loft, like there's kind of like this grouping of maybe like 10 tech companies that you're going to see over and over again in your career. So I'd say just like following them on LinkedIn, like figuring out what their company is posting about, like what they're putting out, how their products changing. Cause even if you're well-versed, like I'm very well-versed in Salesforce, but they're constantly releasing new product updates or new verticals or segments. So Um, The only way I know about that is if I follow those companies on LinkedIn and see what they're working on and get on their email list so I can see what updates are going out. Mm. Um, Some of it you have to learn like once you're in the seat, like there's only so much, like if you're working like a true deal cycle, like you probably will have to like kind of get comfy with like uh, some of these tools, like as you go. And, and a lot of companies now will also provide like learning and development resources or they'll have like a sales enablement team in-house where they can train you and coach you and, and bring you up to speed on how to use these things. And then honestly, when you get into these roles, your peers are the best way. That's the best way that I've learned how to use a lot of this tech is I have like one person on the team who's just awesome. Maybe I pay and take them out to lunch or something or buy them coffee a couple of times to just be like, Hey, can I shadow you? Can I see how you're using this tool? Mm-hmm. And then for me, the way that I learn is I just like write it all out. So like, I'll sit down with someone and I'll just take notes on like everything they're doing and how, how they're using the tool. I thank them, you know, and then I, I start to use that. And then once oh. I get comfortable with what they showed me, then I can start to look at like other ways and to get creative. But I think one of the things people do wrong is they'll try automatically to like be like break the mold and like do all these new things that have never been done. Like just figure out the fundamentals first, like spend that first three months, just learning fundamentals and like getting to know your tech stack. And then you can start iterating after that. But like that first, you know, three months should really just be like a heads down sponge mode, just do absorbing what people around you are doing and what's helping them be successful. Totally. What are some what are some key skill uh, sales skills that um, people should be working on if they want to get into the tech space? Mm, there's so many. I mean, it's such a long list, but I think I mean, one of the biggest ones is like empathy. I think the ability to understand that you're talking to human beings, that they have their own challenges, that your technology is like one of one million things that's on their plate. So even if you're in like a deal cycle and they're being like slow to respond, it's usually not like a personal attack on you. They're probably like inundated with their own workload. So I think like empathy and like active listening, like those types of skills are incredibly important so that you can Mm -hmm. learn how to best serve your customers. Um, I think also the ability, like resiliency is probably like one of the biggest, the biggest skills that I think I've had to learn over the years. And especially that first three years in sales, like it is a grind and anybody that tells you it's not as wrong, like that is a tough, period of time where you are just taking in information and you're just getting kicked around with like nose. Um, but it's like a fun time too, cause you're like getting to know the role. So it's just, so I would say like that ability, that ability to build up your own resilience and, and just kind of like keep plugging away and like figuring out what works and what doesn't, that's incredibly important. 
Um, I mean, this list, I could list on forever, yeah. but I think like probably those like the active listening empathy and, um, and yeah, I think these are like really the areas that, that are going to be really important in resiliency as well. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that, um, the resiliency part is super important, not getting emotional after getting a no and not doing so well in your sales calls, because that just leads to more headache and more negative thoughts. Um, so I totally agree with that. Um, being in the SaaS industry, do you think we're at a transition point in sales with new technology such as like AI and ChatGBT? I think we're at a new transition point even before like the AI component comes in. I mean, because if you think about it, like AI has existed within the SaaS sales space for a long time. Chat GBT is like new, newer to us. Um, mm. but there has always been like AI components to the tech that we're selling and, and using. Um, that said, I think the transition point, in my opinion, is actually that a lot of sellers are being forced to level up right now. Like we got a lot of we got away with a lot of bad habits. Like years ago, you could just like mass spam a message and it would stick like 5% of the time off of like sheer luck. And you could like blast it out to 500 people and you get like five meetings just out of like literal luck. It's yeah. not working like that anymore. Like you have to personalize, you have to like actually put effort in and like really focus on like who you're reaching out to and be like methodical. Um, I think that it, what that's going to do is it's going to take like a certain subset of the folks in sales and bring them up a level. And we're going to see that big shift, but I think we're going to see some people leave sales too. I think people are going to, there's some people that have coasted and kind of gotten away with like some of this, like messaging that just like probably never should have stuck. And mm -hmm. those people are going to lose patience really quickly. Like they're going to be like, okay, this, this isn't working anymore. Now you're asking me to do X, Y, and Z, and, and maybe this isn't for me. And I think that's okay too. So I think this big shift is actually going to be in what our customers are demanding. We also, for a long time, SaaS has focused specifically on, on um, customer acquisition and like new client acquisition in particular. So we're like, okay, we need as many logos as we can get as fast as possible. What we're seeing now is in these downtimes, somewhat of what we're in right now, uh, current customers are incredibly important. So like the net new logo piece has actually taken a sidestep to our current customer portfolio. And now a lot of companies are scrambling to like hold on to who they already had, but they haven't been necessarily taking good care of those customers in the meantime. So what I think we'll also see is potentially more of this like high, this return to hybrid um, as mm -hmm. account executive and sales rep, where the which is where I came from in, it, uh, in my initial roles, where you are signing the customer and you're actually like helping maintain and be part of that customer journey throughout their life cycle. And that's something as in SaaS that we got way away from where it was like, basically you sign a deal, you get commission on it for one year, but as soon as that deal gets inked, you pass it over to someone else. And I've always felt that that was the wrong move, but I've always been incentivized to do that or forced to kind of pass those accounts over to people. So I've done it. Um, but I think that's going to be a big change. Like, I think we're going to really see this reckoning of like, Hey, we need like people to work these deals long-term. Like the customer doesn't want to work with nine points of contact in the first three months. It's too yeah. a break for them. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, last question I have for you, Alexine. Um, so how has sales impacted your life just in general? How has it made it better? 
How has it given you more opportunity? Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people would say this, but I think the biggest piece for me, like the ability to be uh, financially stable and have opportunities to do the things that I want to do, to travel on a whim, to have bought my first place in my, you know, uh, early twenties, basically, like these are opportunities that would not have existed uh, had I chosen another career path. And so Mm -hmm. this has been a really incredible point, especially for a lot of women um, who are trying to establish financial independence and want to pave their own path and maybe don't want to take the traditional routes to different things. Um, It's incredibly powerful. And the ability to make money in sales is unmatched. I mean, you can look at um, every different field, but I don't know many fields where you can go from what I did my first year where I had like a 30K base and then net almost 200K in that first year with commissions. Like it's a huge swing to go that quickly. Mm-hmm. And I know people who have like a 100K base that are making like uh, over a million and uh, with commissions. So like, it's very difficult to find roles and in, in places in which you can have that kind of success. So I think that financial upside is one of the biggest changes and it's just enabled me to really create and curate the life that I want for myself and to be able to spend my time in the places that I want to spend it and, and be in the places and spaces I want to be. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think sales is, I keep telling my friends that sales is the place to be. Um, it's, it's such a great, uh, space and, um, yeah, I love it. And I'm, I love learning about it. I'm trying to just keep digging and keep working my butt off. But um, those are all the questions I have for you today. And I want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure discussing your entrepreneurial journey and your sales story, um, all the things you've done in SaaS. And um, it was really nice to talk to you. And I hope um, all of you guys that are listening got something out of this episode. So please save and subscribe if you'd uh, if you enjoyed But yeah, have a great rest of your guys' week and remember to win the day. Alexine, thank you again. Ciao. Thank you so much.